Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Guys Without Helmets. Week four is in the books. Week four was, a, I, I think, another great week of football. I'm not sure that we're starting to learn exactly who these teams are, but let's jump right in and talk about it. Uh, your Lions, of course, went to Green Bay, went 34-20. Um, this is the game I think we finally saw the young quarterback start to unravel a bit. Well, I think we said it before in past weeks. He looks great against average defenses, but when he plays great defenses, he doesn't look that good. We saw him the week before this against the Saints. Didn't look great until the, really the fourth quarter when he had that comeback win, 18-17, but Detroit had their number the entire game in Lambeau. Dave Montgomery was unstoppable. The Packers didn't have an answer for the run game. Jared Goff was just, I think the first play he had was a pick, and after that he was just perfect after the, after that. So Jordan Love, love him or hate him, I don't know what to feel about him yet. It's yeah. too short in his career. It's really 50-50 right now. Yeah, and all the reliance was on him for this game with the running game and how it went. Aaron Jones only had 15 or 18 yards on five carries, five carries for A.J. Dillon as well for 11. Non-existent, no touchdowns there other than Jordan Love who had negative two yards and one touchdown. Um, just non-existent on the ground, and they really had to rely on Jordan Love, and we saw the outcome here with how the Lions ended up playing on offense as well. Just consistent, nothing crazy. Dave Montgomery was the crazy guy with three touchdowns, but beyond that, they just they were able to see Jordan Love by himself with no supporting cast for the most part. Yeah, one of the things, he's, he's amongst the leaders in touchdowns. He has eight touchdowns, which is great. But if you watch his play overall, I think Green Bay, they've got a ways to go. We've said it early on, young, young, young team. Uh, and this is a division rival, division game you need. But 34-20, Detroit was able to get the win. All right, moving down the road, the Rams went to the Colts. Again, surprising the play we're getting out of Anthony Richardson. No surprise to you guys. You called it. In fact, I think he was a top fantasy performer this week. But the Rams just keep bringing it, guys. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and buy or sell. Stay tuned. But the Rams win 29-23. Yeah, I think this game came down to coaching. Steichen is a rookie coach, as you know. Played very well considering they went to overtime in this game, but Sean McVay came out with the win. Anthony Richardson, I think he had three touchdowns, no interceptions, a rushing touchdown, 60 rushing yards. Looked very good, looked poised, looked safe, was hitting all of his receivers, really spreading the ball, and it looked really good. I'd be very happy if I'm a Colts fan. Yeah, they looked great on offense considering you know the stat line from the tight ends. Alec Ogletree had 50 yards and a touchdown, and there wasn't much beyond that for the receiving stat line, but... They did put up points. They did come back, I think, 23-0 to zero at one point. Ended up 29-3, to three, so great. Or 29-23. to 23, uh, Great comeback there for them, but they couldn't close it out with the Puka Nakua touchdown in overtime. We're going we're gonna to talk a little more about Puka going forward. Let's talk about the Vikings and uh, Captain Kirk continuing to just do what he does. They didn't need him against the 0-4 Panthers as much as they have in the past, but they still had a great game. They win 21-13. Yeah, I think on before this game he was on pace for 6,000 yards, zero wins, and like 55 touchdowns. But he finally got his win. Bryce Young in this game played great. He just didn't have any touchdowns. He's playing like a rookie, but he's playing very safe, very smart. Hasn't made a mistake really much at all outside of maybe interception or two this year. But I, you can't complain. He's looking like the third best rookie quarterback, but it's so early. He's playing great. I think the Vikings overall played good. It was a close game until the very end. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it's tough for rookies to get thrown in, and you know he doesn't have the team around him that he needs. Um, Houston's doing a much better job surrounding that young quarterback, C.J. Stroud, with help. Let's move to a couple more scores before we stop. Uh, the Buccaneers take care of the Saints, 26-9. Derek Carr banged up, no surprise there. The Broncos get a win against the lowly Bears, 31-28. The Battle of the Bulge, two terrible teams, I think, going at it. Yeah, the Bears were up 28 to nothing in this game, and they didn't score a point and allowed 31 consecutive points from the Broncos. Crazy. I think the Broncos, I don't think they're awful. 
if you put it in perspective, we talked about it before. I think they're awful. I don't think they are. I think they've had <laughs> three different head coaches, three different OCs in the past three years. Sean Payton took a year off to commentate. Russell Wilson looks great this year so far. He looks fine. He hasn't made mistakes. He's been playing very good. I just think that they're going to figure it out. They'll be a second half of the year team, in my opinion. The Bears, I think you should trade Justin Fields because he's not working for them. He had four touchdowns in this game, played great football until the very end where he threw a pick, but their team is awful. Yeah, and this feels kind of very Carson Wentz-ish where the team is not playing very great, but the quarterback plays is kind of there. I know when Carson Wentz is last year in Indianapolis, he had uh, close to 30 touchdowns or 30 touchdowns, including his rushing, uh, seven interceptions. He had that for a few years, but he played pretty well when it came up to the final few games. He did not play well. He did not close out those games, and so they essentially booted him out because of that. Uh, This feels very similar. I know they had a slow start. They have had some difficult matchups coming up here. Uh, so they had to, they definitely had to beat the Bears in this matchup to you know have their season go on. But I think the finger pointing will be pointed back to Russell Wilson if they do end the season uh, not making the playoffs, obviously, and we'll see what happens there. But they are tied to him for the next coming years, so we'll see. If they're bad enough to get uh, Caleb Williams, I think that's the only way that they actually move off from Russell Wilson into next year. Yeah, and I'm in that probably small uh, minority of people that think that Russ is wiped. I just think he's done. I mean, he's as good as he is, you're going to have moments of greatness for sure. Um, but I think he's mostly wiped. All right, a couple more games to talk about. Uh, Pittsburgh loses 6-30. to Tennessee, the young team. Houston Texans, sorry, come in, the young team, and, and take care. Of course, Pittsburgh loses their starting quarterback. San Francisco, the machine, rolls 35-16 to against Arizona. And a surprise, the gasp. The Jets showed up and decided to play football with Zach Wilson against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs narrowly win 23-20, but what's the real tale of this game? Uh, I think it's penalties all around. You can argue the last play of the game penalty. Well, last significant play. I know the the Chiefs had the ball and ran out the clock and all that stuff. But the game, the Chiefs had significantly more flags thrown on them. Their right tackle likes to take a step back a lot for some reason. (laughs) Anyway, I I always say when it comes down to a flag at the end of the game to determine it is you shouldn't be in that situation as a team. There's plenty of plays before that. Should be more than 60 offensive snaps or more before that. So uh, you can't blame the play. It doesn't help it technically. Textbook was holding, even though it's ticky tack. Uh, yeah, he pulled the receiver's arm back on the route. You can't do that. Right, right. I wouldn't have thrown the flag. I think that if it wasn't an interception, the flag went out of come out. But it is football. It is part of the rules. You can call a play on any or a call flag on any play if you argue it. So I think the Chiefs obviously deserve to win. The Jets played decent, but Zach it, Wilson it, had a fumble that was bad. He had a pick that was bad. I mean, is that the narrative that the the, the refs were with the Chiefs? Not that that's what like people like to say. But I think football every play matters. When you have a bad play, that's it all adds up. It's not just one flag. All right, yeah, totally. I agree. I listen. Either your your team Zach Wilson or you're not. You know, we've never have been. Um, we're gonna we're gonna ask a question here in a little bit that I want to come back to this. But let's move on. Uh, Jacksonville. What was this being called? The Disney Plus game. The I know it's the London game. Toy Story game. The Toy Story game. Did anybody watch the Toy Story game? I watched the whole thing. It's amazing. Do you? Okay. It was fun. Josh, you said you were in and out of it. You saw some plays. Uh, I was I was in when there was technical difficulties. So I thought it was just <laughs> Booger sitting at a desk talking in uh, cartoon form, but that's it, uh, they ended up fixing it. And uh, as Caleb said, it was pretty good. Okay. It was pretty accurate. You could probably find it on social media. One of the some of the highlights, Bijan's run. Um, the spacing. I don't know how they did it. 
But the spacing know. of the characters is almost perfect. Really? It looks I know great. One of you said at one time it looked like they threw the ball on the ground, but it was a 20-yard completion or something. Yeah, that, that, obviously it's their first time doing it. It's a little weird. It's hard to see the creases and the holes in the run game because they're giant-headed action <laughs> figures. So it was like, oh, this guy's going to rip this touchdown, but they got tackled behind the line of scrimmage. So wow. that was the only complaint was yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Well, Jacksonville's perspective, 23-7 is a win. They'll take it. Uh, let's talk about a divisional game. We have the Ravens beating the Browns 28-3. Uh, again, the Browns, no Deshaun Watson. Most teams without their starting quarterback can struggle. But this one this one was tough. Lamar started to look a little like his old self. Yeah, Lamar looked good. He finally got Mark Andrews. I call him Mandrews going. That's my um, guy. Two touchdowns, 80 yards from him. So it was a really good game for them. They thought, I think, Deshaun Watson was going to play. He mm-hmm. warmed up before the game, and they actually ruled him out after the 30-minute window, the hour window, they're supposed to give the league for time to the other team to prepare who's playing. So I think they expected him to play, but his shoulder still isn't right. I don't know. Is it an AC joint issue, or is it just a shoulder issue? I'm not 100% That's, certain. They've been pretty vague about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know he needs to get his rhythm because Deshaun hasn't been himself really as a Brown. And Lamar of late hasn't looked himself, but he's starting to take off, you know, starting to get his nose back for the game, so that's good. And you're curious how much time uh, Dorian had – before the game to actually know that he was the starter because right. Deshaun Watson on Saturday was saying his plan for the most part uh, from what I read. And uh, you really don't know how much time he had to prepare for this game leading into Sunday if those things were true yeah. that they were saying on Saturday. And so the defense has played really well all year. They only allowed a handful of touchdowns through the first few games. I think like two or three offensive touchdowns. I know the Steelers had a lot on defense that one game. But uh, this defense can't hold up for a, a rookie quarterback that probably wasn't completely no. prepared for this game and getting all the bad breaks like yeah. literally every bad break that could happen were happening early on but he looked poised looked like he was still in it um what's wrong with the Bengals, y'all they scored three points against tennessee who's at the bottom of that division arguably uh 27 to 3 uh tennessee titans win burrow i don't know I, i'm speechless uh this could be considered a hot take but yeah. um you look at this game we always talk about the titans their team's pretty Pretty rough, strung together. Sure. The coaching's how they get their wins. Vrabel's a great coach. Definitely a top half of the league coach. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's coaching in this game. I think Zach Taylor's, I don't want to say, I'm not going to wash because he's a young coach, <laughs> right, but right. he's a little stale right now because okay. Joe Burrow is healthy enough to stand in the pocket, take steps up, throw the ball accurately. It's not his shoulder that's hurt. It's his calf on his not dominant leg that he's stepping off of to throw. Okay. Jamar Chase is healthy. T. Higgins he's open out every play. T. Higgins says. was healthy every week before this week. They're, Joe Mixon's healthy. Their yeah. offensive lines. Healthy. I think it's all coaching and scheming. I don't think sure. it, they, they keep blaming Joe Burrow's injury, but it's not. He's if he was that hurt, he wouldn't play the game. Josh, this is a coaching thing that we talk about all the time. That this is the most coached up league I think of all professional sports. They spend an enormous amount of time, countless hours, sleepless hours, looking at film, watching film, evaluating. Are the Bengals just figured out? Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with just the timing of the offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting brand-new tackles across the board. Uh, they had Lyle Collins last year, and he's now out. They have Orlando Brown now as well. Uh, Joe Burrow obviously being hindered. I know it's – I think he has a, a upper half injury, something with an arm or a shoulder. Right. Now it looked like he was getting tended to during the game. So he has injuries across the board. Um, and now you have the locker room, which is kind of – you know, they, they they feel the pressure of, you know, their losses right. now. Obviously, putting up three points, not scoring a touchdown sure. on offense or defense, it's it's tough. And you see, you know, T. Higgins had to leave in this game early with a rib injury. He might miss a handful of games. But you see Jamar Chase in the locker room basically saying, I'm doing my part, I'm open. And what, it's, what a teammate. We know what he's saying, essentially, is like, 
it's not my fault that what's happening is happening. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's unintentionally or intentionally without saying uh, Joe Burrow is our problem right now. Right. And you never saw that out of Joe Burrow when Jamar Chase was dropping passes no. <laughs> through several games. I mean, right. the reason that they had some close games last year was because of Jamar and the red zone. I know he gets heavily targeted, a lot of chances mm-hmm. to drop the football, but you never see the finger pointing at Jamar, but you immediately see it now at Joe Burrow. So you're really curious how to see this locker room pans out for the rest of the season. If they do happen to lose another game, it could go completely off the rails. But that's how it always is. If you're the yeah. quarterback, if your team's doing great, your quarterback's he's he's the reason why. If right. they suck, he's the reason why. So yeah, you see I, it with Russell Wilson and the Broncos right now. I literally just watched, and this is a clinic. Um, there's a, a you know video going around, a reel going around with Dak Prescott saying, "Look, we lost. That's on me. I got to do a better job. The defense did a great job. We could have won with that. That comes back to me. Like he's taking ownership. And then you have your boy in Buffalo saying, "Ah." Eh. You know, and then you got Zach Wilson when they asked him the question famously, <laughs> "Could like, you no, help your no. defense?" And he's like, "No, no." I, mean, I was like, the, <laughs> yeah. "The the the different, and not because it's Dak, but because it was a really good textbook answer." Well, Zach Wilson fixed that this week, and he said it was his fault. Oh, because they won or almost well, they won. Lost, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because he felt heroic and. He saw Kelsey's mom up there, and he got really excited about that. So. Now, now we can become <laughs> believers of Zach Wilson. No, who, who can? Because it's the it's the underdog story every week now. <laughs> so now we should become believers. Now we have to. We called it when people were believers before this all happened. S- say it for everybody in the back of the room, Caleb. Zach Wilson, blank. It's garbage. Thank you. <laughs> he should not we, we, be starting. In the I don't NFL. understand some of these quarterbacks. You watch their college tape. I don't understand what people see. Are you starting to believe, Josh? <laughs> no, but <Okay>. um, <laughs> but I, I think he might be starting to believe in himself a bit more. You have that'd be a start. You have coaches that are just endlessly nonstop talking about him. You see at the end of the game, this was his best performance. Maybe not his best right. stat line, but his best performance as a pro. What are some things we don't believe in in Zach Wilson? I'll start. I don't believe he can throw in the middle of the field successfully. Well, that's easy to see. <laughs> I think. He abandoned his pocket his pocket a lot. He doesn't go through his reads. He usually stares off one guy. Uh, you see in college a lot, he would run out of the pocket when there was nobody pressuring him. Sure. Um, he, he likes the sidelines. He loves that 50-50 ball. He forces man. the 50-50 ball. Just, I wish he was able to sit for three or four years, not being forced to start year one. I'm not sure that's going to help, but it doesn't hurt that Aaron Rodgers is talking hurt to him. you. Yeah, it definitely won't hurt him. I think he's a, a great combination of, you know, the old Jeff George syndrome, I used to call it. Jeff George was a player, you guys know, but our listeners may not, who was highly tauted, big arm guy, came in the league, played for multiple teams. He believed in his arm too much, so he thought he could rifle it in anywhere. But he didn't have the rest of the football game. Teammates hated him. Coaches hated Jay to coach him. I think Zach Wilson has that. Like he, He's, come on, he, he comes from means. He's He hasn't had to work for anything a day in his life, and he's not going to learn your playbook and two, learn how to read a defense. Problem, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right, let's talk about teams that matter. Um <laughs> Uh, to it, dropped 20 against the Bills, 48. Guys, no surprise. Before the world, before Bills fan and Dolphin fans start hitting us up crying or, or celebrating, technically, it, tell me if I'm wrong, lately the Bills have just been the Dolphins' daddy. Like, they've beaten them a lot recently. And this is a divisional game. Like, you know, this is not necessarily a tale of who they are. What really matters is when they face off in the playoffs, if that happens. Yeah, I think this happens every year. They usually split. I think they split last year mm-hmm. in the famous picture of Josh Allen. Laid his head on Tua's shoulder to listen to him, but it looked like he was crying. But people make a meme out of yeah. it. But I think it, divisional games is always a coin toss. Why are Dolphin fans so cool? Like I don't know, like ob- ob- obnoxious Dolphin fans. Do you? Like they're mostly like pretty. We cool. live too far north. Well, 
I mean, the NFL's everywhere. You know, we have fans everywhere. But every Dolphins fan I know is like low key, like, man, I hope we do good. We really like Tua. <laughs> Mike McDaniel's pretty smart, man. Like they're all kind of <laughs> cool. They're never like we're gonna win, but you know, or whatever they say Cowboys fans are, but they're not like that. Hmm. No, I get, I get crickets over this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, forty-eight to twenty, Buffalo wins. Let's talk about a team that's closer to home. We've been saying that Washington's going to be a problem for teams because they're built well and they have a good upside. They were a problem for Philly. Uh, Philly wins 34-31 in overtime, I believe. Uh, Philly not putting up the, the the type of games they played last year, but still finding ways to win and score 30-plus points. Yeah, I think that Washington used the same formula they used last year. I think that is the formula to beat the Eagles. They stopped the run as much as they could. I forget the, um, DeAndre Swift's stat line, but it's a lot less than it was the last two weeks. Then, fortunately, Washington is 31-34 is really close. The only problem is they had Emmanuel Forbes, rookie corner, covering A.J. Brown. That's a mismatch any day. Antonio Brown probably has 80 pounds on him, so it wasn't really fair. Antonio Brown had over 100, 100 plus yards, two touchdowns. So that was really the saving grace for the Eagles was their number one receiver finally playing out this year. And usually, you know, with the, with Washington, you're going to see them on the on the bottom end. Like Sam Howe is the most sacked quarterback through four weeks with 24 sacks, and you know he has lost the most yards sacked because he's been sacked more than anyone else. Uh, on top of that, he's thrown five picks. You know, but Okay, but we usually don't see Washington quarterbacks on the higher end of any of those things. But I would argue uh, that this kid is out there balling and, and, and learning and getting better every week and making better and better reads. And, you know, again, we just don't see that type of uh, productivity out of a Washington quarterback. So I'm hopeful that he is uh, going to get the experience that he needs. We've said all along, Washington's going to be a problem. We didn't say they'd win anything or they're just going to be a problem. And they've been in a couple games so far that's close. Another divisional game, Chargers and Raiders. Uh, Chargers 24-17. Have some injuries on that Charger team, but they're still rolling on offense. Yeah, as you know, Eckler's been out for three weeks now. He only played week one. But um, Josh Palmer stepped in for Mike Williams, who's been out with the knee injuries and missed the rest of the year. But this game, at some point, is kind of scary. You're like, are the Chargers going to blow another lead? Like, yeah. It had that feeling to it. Aiden O'Connell, the rookie out of Purdue is starting for the Raiders. So it's eh. It was kind of an and eh game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chargers fans, I, I'd be a little worried because yeah. apparently Josh McDaniels didn't tell Aiden that he was starting. <laughs> What's Because they said Brian Hoyer was going to start, and Aiden said he didn't know he was starting until the morning of. He so did pretty good for he the first time. He did fairly good. He fairly had a good. lot of turnovers. I think he had a fumble. That was a rough fumble, but he played pretty decent for not knowing he was going to play 20, 24 hours before the game. So Yeah, I think fumbles – and uh, not sensing the pressure completely well uh, in your rookie start is, is kind of expected. Uh, you see a lot of younger quarterbacks do have fumbling issues. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Aiden O'Connell getting thrown into the game. Uh, Khalil Mack was terrorizing this man. Six sacks <laughs> in this game for Khalil Mack. If you happen to play an IDP, congratulations. You probably won your week with Khalil Mack alone. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I think if, if Aiden O'Connell wasn't playing in this game, if it was Jimmy G getting mm-hmm. the ball out very quickly, it would have been different. You know, it would have been sketchy for the Chargers. They did have once again another terrible offensive setup in the end of the game that could have easily lost them the game. Brandon Staley striking again with his risky on their side of the field plays in three or ever. Yeah, it's on it's, their side of the field. It's silly. We understand you take the risk and it and it works out. 
it's uh, it looks really good for you. But obviously, when you do it multiple times and it fails every single time, it kind of gets old and it kind of just need to punt the ball. So uh, <laughs> I think the Chargers snuck by with this. They do have an injury to Justin Herbert on his opposite throwing hand, his left hand. Um, something with his nail um, that's jacked up as well as his middle finger. So more on that later, but obviously he's throwing with his right hand. Uh, maybe have some fumbles going forward with the snapping and everything like that. But they look good. Uh, they just need to bounce back off this bye and really play how they can play and not hold themselves back. Yeah, yeah. It's two games I don't want to spend a lot of time on. Dallas goes to New England and rolls 38-3. Uh, and the Seahawks last night uh, beat the Giants pretty handily 24-3. Three seems to be the magic number for sucking. Yeah, Daniel Jones was sacked 11 times last night. I want to talk a little bit more about Dayball Jones well, here in a little bit. but And I think there's a lot of things to do. They got Darren Waller. He's, he's not a blocker. He's right. more of a receiver. They right. play him in the slot as a receiver a lot. Dan Bellinger left the game. Their center left the game. Um, Andrew Thomas, their tackle, was out this game. Right. He's been out. So they, they really have no help for blocking up front. And Pete Carroll knows that, and they smelt blood in the water, and they sent their nickel corner they rookie, Devin him. Witherspoon, yeah. in. He had two sacks. Played very good for a rookie. They just send it, it every time. There's yeah. pressured every time. And you really have concerns for the guy that just got paid 40-plus million mm. a year for, what, three or four years, Daniel mm. Jones, that is. Um, <laughs> and you really have concerns because he's not looked like a $40 million man without his no. $10 million running back in the backfield. So you really comes to wonder, like, what what is this team without Saquon? Obviously, I know they're missing a lot of other pieces, as Caleb said. But what is this team without Saquon? And what is it with just Daniel Jones? Because it is looking like a big problem when they've only played good against the Cardinals this year. Yeah, and uh, gosh, <laughs> I you know I don't again I come across a hater anytime I say anything negative against teams in our division. But uh, yeah, I, it's a, I think it's a, everything y'all said. Plus, it doesn't help that Saquon's out. They, I don't. I was just asking before we started recording. Do they even have a significant wide receiver on the team, like someone who would make the roster in Pittsburgh or Dallas or San Francisco? They have, well, yeah. they have solid receivers. They don't have a dominant number right. one, and that's yeah. what they brought Darren Waller in to be. But Daniel Jones really isn't seeing the field at all, <laughs> uh, and they really need to get him running as well because yes. he's, he he does put up a high total of yards at the end of the season. He's, mobile. he's very consistent when the offensive line is there in front of him as well. Uh, he's just having issues right now, uh, but get him running, get Darren Waller involved, get Saquon back. They should get up and rolling here soon. Well, one of the things we've been committed to this season, we hear you, is talking a little bit more about fantasy. So let's talk about some top performers this week. Caleb, who are our top quarterbacks in fantasy football? Yeah, no surprise, Josh Allen at one. They put up, was it 48 points? So he's going to have some touchdowns. He had four touchdowns, throwing one, ru- um, one rushing, 300 yards passing. Very good, very efficient, 21-25. Number two, Anthony Richardson, 11 completions for 200 yards, two touchdowns, 56 rushing yards, and another touchdown on the ground. Lamar Jackson, 15 and 19, super efficient, 186 yards, two touchdowns, 30 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. Justin Fields looked great, 28 to 35, 300 yards, four touchdowns, and that pick that cost him the game at the end. And Jalen Hurts, 25 to 37, 300 yards, two touchdowns, and 30 rushing yards. Yeah, I think it's uh, no surprise that most of these guys are running quarterbacks. I know that uh, Allen didn't run for a ton of rushing yards, but still, these guys are very mobile mobile guys. What about our top running backs, Josh? Yep, as always, uh, this year we've had Christian McCaffrey <laughs> Every week. at the top here. He has over 180 scrimmage yards, or about 180 scrimmage yards, yep. four total touchdowns. I believe he's joining uh, Waters with a four-touchdown game Crazy. for the Niners. Crazy. Just looking at the history of the team. Obviously, great performance for him. But yeah. He Montgomery. just passed Jerry Rice's... Um, 
touchdown consecutive games. 12 in mm. a row or something yeah, like 13 that. 13 in a row. Yeah. Just beat it. Crazy. Yeah, from last year to this year, of course. Uh, but David Montgomery coming back off his one game out. He had 141 combined yards. He had three touchdowns as well. Josh Jacobs bouncing back. He had eight catches that really boosted him. But 60 on the ground, 80 through the air, and one touchdown. Kyron Williams, you know him the last couple of games outside Fire. of last week. Fire. He's been a top running back. He has 127 yards through total and then two touchdowns. And then Devon A. Chain, 120 yards and two touchdowns once again. Yeah, and uh, th- this this core right here seems to be we're saying Williams and you know a chain or a chain or however you want to say it. We're saying these names a lot this year, which is interesting. Uh, let's talk about tight ends. Cole Komet, uh, he he was our top performer with two touchdowns, 85 yards. He actually ran the ball. Uh, as you would you call him Mandrews? Is that his nickname? Yeah. Mark Andrews, two touchdowns, 80 yards, five receptions. Uh, Johnny Smith with 95 yards, no touchdown, but six receptions. Uh, my boy in Dallas, Jake Ferguson, seven receiving yards for 77 yards. And Drew Ogletree, uh, three receptions, 48, one touchdown. That'll put you on the map. Uh, we have wide receivers left to go. Somebody give me the top Yeah, A.J. Brown against a rookie corner, Emmanuel Forbes, had 175 yards and nine catches for two touchdowns. That's quarterback numbers. <laughs> Stephon Diggs, six catches, 120 yards, three touchdowns. It really wasn't fair there either. No. Nico Collins, 168 yards, two touchdowns. It's a name we don't hear a lot it's about. my boy out of Michigan, five-star recruit. Uh, Puka Nakua has been here all year now. Mm. I think he is leading the league in receptions currently. He has 163 yards and a touchdown this game, his first touchdown of the year. And DJ Moore, lastly, at five, 131 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, unbelievable some of the new faces that we're seeing on this one for sure. All right, well, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but the, the Ravens are atop the North at 3-1. and one. Uh, The entire, I don't know if I've ever seen this. Uh, of course, it's early, but the AFC South is locked at 2-2. Two and two. That puts the Colts currently on top. Uh, tied at 3-1, and one, the Buffalo Bills are on top of the AFC East, and the Chiefs at 3-1 and one are currently winning the AFC West. Over in the NFC, uh, the Lions are 3-1, and one, leading the North. Buccaneers, the Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers, are leading the South uh, with the Bucks being 3-1. and one. Uh, just like last year, NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles are undefeated at 4-0, and uh, and the 49ers are 4-0. This sounds like a repeat from last year as I'm thinking yeah. about it. The top two teams in the East and the West have been and still are, the Eagles and the 49ers. So no surprise there as we're going to take a look inside the stats. We like to take a look at our leaders, and as Josh will normally give us some details that we may have missed from all the numbers that are piling up. After four weeks, Josh, what do you have for us inside the stats? We have the quarterback leaders. We have Tua still at the top here with 1,306 yards. Matthew Stafford with 1,229. Kirk Cousins with 1,214. C.J. Stroud with 1,212. And Justin Herbert with 1,106. Your rushing leaders, the guy that's always been at the top this year, Christian McCaffrey with 459. DeAndre Swift with 364. James Conner with 318. Uh, B. John Robinson with 318. Then Tony Pollard with 311. Uh, your receiving leaders are the exact same guys uh, from last week. Justin Jefferson, 543. Puka Nakua with 500. Tyree Kill with 470. Keenan Allen with 434. Nico Collins close behind with 428. Uh, and defensive stats here, we have the tackle leaders. All the same guys. Um, Zaire Franklin, 57. TJ Edwards, 51. Bobby Wagner, 50. Quay Walker, 47. Foye Luacon with 46. Uh, now we have the sack leaders. Khalil Mack had six last game. He leads the NFL with six right now. Um, TJ Watt and Josh Allen also joined with six. Miles Garrett with five and a half. And Daniil Hunter with five. Your interceptions leaders is still uh, Jordan Whitehead from week one. He had three week one. He has three right now. He leads the NFL with Jesse Bates and Deron Bland. 
Kareem Jackson has two. Micah Hyde has two as well, joining them in the top five. Now we look at the Monday Night Football game. We look at the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants. We knew going into this game, Daniel Jones is 1-12 in his primetime starts. Never won a Monday Night Football game in his career. He's now 1-13 now, so we'll see if he can bounce back. Uh, and hopefully, we'll see if he can make that a positive record at some point in his career if he gets the opportunity. <laughs> but looking at the most fumbles in the NFL over the last few years, we look at Daniel Jones, the guy we just talked about. He had 44 fumbles in 57 games. Uh, 23 loss, though. But you also have Josh Allen. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. He has the most turnovers in the NFL since coming into the league. And through that time, he has 46 fumbles, only 19 lost. And we look at other guys. We look at the, you know, the pace that they have, fumbles. Justin Fields has played 31 games, has 32 fumbles. Good news for him. Only lost nine of them. So uh, we just look at those guys, guys that have a lot of turnovers coming into the league. You have Josh Allen, Daniel Jones. Justin Fields, highly efficient at turning over the football. So we'll see if those guys can move forward and uh, get better at not turning over the football. Um, but one more stat we hear, we have Brock Purdy, the guy that has not lost a game in the regular season quite yet. Uh, he's now won nine straight regular season starts since his rookie season last year. Only six quarterbacks in the NFL have 10-plus wins in their first or second season in NFL history. You have Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Dan Marino, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Peyton Manning and John Elway. Mm. We know we had Dak his first year. He was 13-3, and three, I believe. Lamar coming in with his MVP season his second year. And then all those other great players and Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, John Elway. So he's off to a great start, obviously. Uh, we don't think he's that type of talent as those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, certainly the team is doing very well with him under center. Yeah, thanks, Josh, as always. It's uh, interesting. The kid seems to be doing everything right. Uh, I got no complaints with him at all. That leads us into our locks, looking at the schedule for week five. We like to look and give you our locks and our upsets against the spread. Um, guys, I don't mind starting right off. Uh, San Francisco's favorite at three and a half. Um, I am going to lock in San Francisco at home. I think home feels the difference. I do think that Dallas's defense has gotten better. I don't think that it's uh, the 49ers' defense has gotten worse. I just think Dallas has moved forward. Uh, and I I think it's too early in the season to really use this as a measuring stick for how good they really are. These two teams should be around along with the Eagles. These are the three favorites. But if you're out there and it's a three-and-a-half points, I take the 49ers. To, um, I don't know if they cover, but they definitely win the football game. So I'm locking in the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to lock in the Houston Texans at Atlanta. I'm sure that's an upset as well. But I think the Texans are a much better team all around. As you saw in the last three weeks, Desmond Ritter cannot throw the football. And I believe that the Texans secondary is going to have a field day with that. Even with some injuries, I think they're going to be great. And I don't think that Desmond Ritter is going to be able to score a lot of points against this team. Ooh. With that, I'm going to be locking in the Atlanta Falcons over the Houston Woo. Texans. <laughs> I love we look it. at this team. Yes, we know Desmond Ritter is not a good quarterback. We do know that C.J. Stroud is a much better quarterback, and he's had great success passing the football this year. But I do think the Falcons' strength on defense is their cornerbacks. They have a handful of guys, Jeff Okuda, A.J. Terrell, and others in the secondary that have been playing well. Jesse Bates, who leads the league in interceptions. It's going to be a struggle for C.J. Stroud. You know, he hasn't played against a great young secondary these last couple of weeks, and this is his real first uh, good matchup in that Falcons are at home. They finally get to back to their roots of running and playing on the ground. Uh, running backs have had great success against the Texans these last couple of games, so I think there's a good chance the Falcons step away, win their running game, and take the win. Excellent. Okay, this is going to surprise some people, I think, or you're just going to think I'm a hater. I think there's a game that when it comes down to having a shootout, 
the team that I really think has been throwing the ball super well and running the ball balanced that's going to surprise a 4-0 team is the Rams. They're at home. I think the Rams upset the Philadelphia Eagles. That is my upset. That's not terrible. I think it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I think my upset is going to be the Vikings over the Chiefs, though. As you Ooh. watch this year, the Chiefs have been playing really slow. They don't have a number one target. Right. They have Kelsey, obviously. They don't have a running back, really. I know Pacheco has been great the past two weeks, but they kind of have that committee going still. And it's not primetime, Kirk. It's, it's not primetime, Kirk. It's in Minnesota. Yep. The Chiefs barely beat the Jets. They lost to the Lions, and they blew out whoever they played week two. But <laughs> the Vikings are due for it. Kirk Cousins has been playing perfect outside of maybe a pick last week. Yeah, yeah. I forget he's, the stat line. He's been fantastic. But they've been putting up points, and we just watched the Jets almost pull it off. So I think yeah. the Vikings can do it at home. Okay. I'm going to be picking the Raiders over the Packers Ooh, for my okay. upset. I know the Packers have been good on offense. Uh, I know they've had to catch up quite a bit in the last few games. I just like the Raiders. Uh, I like their consistency on offense. While it may not be good, I know that it's going to be consistent with Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams' revenge game. Uh, at home, I just think there's a good chance that they have a more explosive offense in this game. I think the pressure is going to get to jo- uh, Jordan Love with Max Crosby. He had two sacks last game. Two X's. Yep, two sacks last game, and we'll see. Mm. I think that's going to be heavy pressure mm. against the man, and uh, I hope Jordan Love can can do well. But I'm picking the Raiders. <laughs> the time possession for the Packers has been abysmal on offense as well. They're bottom three. Wow. Yeah, and you just watched Dave Montgomery rip him apart for three touchdowns on the ground. I think Josh Jacobs will have a field day against his team over 100 yards. I think yeah. that'll be the deciding factor, really, is Max with two X's and Josh Jacobs, as Josh said. Yeah, and you look at their offense. Yes, the Packers do have a better offense. They do get 10 more points on offense, or 10 more points per game as of now, but the Raiders actually have more passing yards per game. And as we see, they had a bad start of their season in the running game. Josh Jacobs, I believe, will have a better game than the other two. Uh, Aaron Jones, I don't know if he's completely healthy quite yet, but A.J. Dillon hasn't looked well uh, in his start. So we'll see. I think there's a good chance that uh, this could be much closer than people probably want and that the Raiders can come away with the win. Now, for those of you that keep a score at home, there are bye weeks starting this week. Cleveland, Chargers, Seattle, Tampa Bay, they all have a bye week. Okay, we're into buy or sell. We're moving right through the podcast this week, guys. Uh, this is a real simple segment. I'm going to make a statement, and we're going to see if the guys are simply buying or selling. Uh, first statement, the Dayball Jones tension will cause the Giants to make a change at quarterback sooner than later. Buying or selling? Oh, I'm going to sell. Because if you look at it, a lot of it is the pressure problem. Mm-hmm. I think that they'll do some things, sign some people, sign somebody. You see somebody. What, how they were talking to each other in the game? It wasn't a friendly conversation. I understand, but it's frustration. <laughs> you're at home. You're getting smacked. Yeah. By I a mean, backup quarterback. Nobody's happy. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, they paid him all this money. They believe in him. They're going to give it a few weeks. I'd say if this doesn't get better mm-hmm. within the next two months or so, then yeah, before the season's over. But I'm going to sell. Okay. Is this a question for this season? This is a statement for the immediate future. The immediate future. Then I will sell. Uh, I do think that he will be the quarterback for the rest of the season, you know, barring any injuries. Uh, I don't think they're going to put Tyrod out there unless it's an obvious uh, situation in which they're getting blown out. But they do have a very difficult schedule, all things considered. They played Dallas week one, which everyone basically picked Dallas to win that game. They had San Francisco in week three. They had Seattle, who played very well for the NFC yeah. last year and they had injuries and they played up against the Giants on Monday Night Football but they also have the Dolphins this upcoming week and the Buffalo Bills the next week so I don't think we expect them to win or take away any of those games because these are you know among the top, top few teams yeah. in the NFL right now so I think 
uh, looking at the end of the season. They do have a lot of divisional games as well. I just think it's tough for the schedule. I know Daniel Jones isn't playing like he did last year. I know he's not playing up to par with how they paid him, uh, but I don't think that's going to force them to change the quarterback this season. I think they'll certainly look at it after the season, though. Yep, okay. Yeah, and you guys, as I've said before, listeners, we basically listen to what's, what the talk is after the week, and then I pull these straight from various headlines to just kind of get our guys' reaction to what's being published in, in the headlines. All right, statement number two. Zach Wilson is maturing and should be the Jet starter for the rest of the season. Buying or selling? There's a lot of wordplay here. There's a lot of wordplay. I don't play. think he should be, but he will be. Okay. That's why we pick it apart. Just, I mean, I'll buy it. it. He's going to be the starter for the rest of the season because that's what they're going to do, unfortunately. Okay. I don't think he's going to be much better than we saw last week. Well, that's as best as he's ever been. That's yes. the best case I think scenario. That's, we're not going to see that again. Okay. But I'm buying he will be the starter for the rest of the season. Okay. I am buying. I do think he is maturing and get getting slightly better. I do think he is looking at himself and understanding that, you know, I, I can I can do better. As we saw last year, he didn't right. he didn't blame himself for anything. <laughs> he didn't really I don't know if he felt comfortable or not just in those situations and in interviews last year. He just he basically didn't do anything to help the team. Sure. And now it looks like he's very much so pointing at himself. Mm-hmm playing uh, with his teammates, really trying to motivate this locker room. So I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be consistent. But I do think he's maturing. And I do think they are going to start him for the rest of the year uh, unless it just gets completely out of hand. But if he's playing like he did against the Chiefs, he's playing like he did the week before, uh, I think he will be, you know, he is maturing and he will start the rest of the year, yes. All right, one more quarterback question. If the Bucks can protect Baker, he will help this team make a playoff run this year. I'm buying. It's easy. Easy. I think I think they're going to win their division. Regardless. A lot of Baker hate out there, bro. This I've is always why we asked the question. Been rock steady with Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I think you have. I've been very patient with Baker Mayfield. I think he's great. I mean, you saw him last year, and the Rams come in off the flight and win a game. Um, he's been great this year. He had three touchdowns this past game. As long as he's healthy, which is a dumb statement to say, because obviously if he's not healthy, uh, yeah. he's not going to play. But right. I think he's going to be great. I think they will win their division, and yes, he will help them make a playoff run. I think the bigger question is, can the Bucks protect him? Because that, that's a bit of an issue. He's been running around crazy. But that's that's Baker Mayfield. That's Baker. I'm going to buy. I believe that this is a good team. I think they have a lot of good veterans on defense. I think they obviously have great veterans in the receiving game with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, their offensive line has been better than last year. Uh, and Baker Mayfield is more mobile than Tom Brady. If there's one thing he's better at than Tom Brady, he is more mobile. Uh, he can move. He is younger. He sure. has that benefit for sure. Um, but I do think they are doing a great job protecting protecting him. Uh, he hasn't been sacked a ton this year. I know he is moving around, and that you'd you'd kind of tip that in the direction of his ability as you see him running around a lot, but not sacked often. So offensive lines played well. He's played well. Uh, I think they're doing a good job, and I think they can take this division because it is one of the easier divisions this year with the younger quarterbacks playing. So I think you can definitely guide them to the playoffs. We saw it last year, the Seattle Seahawks. They brought in a quarterback, Geno Smith. People didn't want their weapons on offense. Baker Mayfield's playing very similarly to that. So I think you can definitely do what Geno did for the Seahawks last year. And you have yeah. Baker stiff-arming corners telling them to get their weight up. It's, yeah. I love it. It's <laughs> well, great. He, he's not top ten in passing yards, but he's not far off the list. But he is... Uh, I believe six in the league in passing with seven touchdowns. That's pretty good. This this after four weeks, he also is sixty nine point six percent accurate, which is is that good for him? Is that high for him? Yeah. I think so. Yes. So um, he's definitely uh, up there and some good. He also has a hundred one passer rating, which I don't know. If I've ever heard him having over a hundred passer rating in a season. Yeah, and we'll see. Uh, 
Mike Evans has had a hamstring injury the whole season, but it did flare up in this Saints game. Uh, I think that's the only injury Mike Evans really ever had in his career is just one hamstring for every single year. Just He yeah. misses a game and whatnot, but he's played through it every single time. We'll see. He's been his favorite target, uh, and these, their offense has been much better with Mike Evans on the field. So we'll see if uh, they can consist- consistently play well on offense without him if he happens to miss any time. Yeah, I agree. We love Baker. He's, he's doing his job. All right, let's shift into the wide receiver position. I think a phenom this year, if you're looking at the headlines, it was said by several sources today that Puka Nakua is on pace for a 2,000-yard season. So the statement that I have for you is, with a healthy Matthew Stafford, he'll get that 2,000 yards. You buying or selling? I am going to sell. Okay. I think there's a few reasons, but number one is Cooper Cup comes back in a week or two. Okay. That's going to eat away at least 10 targets a game off of him and 2-2 combined. Okay. So cut his targets in half potentially. Now you know Matty stats. He will wear a guy out if he if you're hot, you're hot. But you watch him play in Detroit. I think, and when you look at Matthew Stafford, it's whoever's that guy. I don't think yeah, it matters yeah. who that guy is. Right, whoever's in that position. Yeah, and it's usually Cooper Cup. I think if Cooper comes back and he's Cooper Cup, no one's getting targeted but Cooper Cup like this. Okay. I think he's great. He's been playing very good. He's filled some big shoes. He's a rookie, obviously. But you look at the secondaries he's played, Seattle. Suspect San Francisco. I know, I know their defense is great, but they've been getting ripped apart. They just got they ripped have. apart by Michael Wilson for 70 yards and two touchdowns this past week, a rookie. Yep. Um, Cincinnati has been awful. Indianapolis, it was a shootout. We saw it went to overtime. So I don't really know how to gauge it yet. He does play Philly, which has been 50 50, but he gets Arizona, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Green Bay, which have all been relatively locked down to receivers. So I'd say give it a few more weeks, but with Cooper Cup coming back, I'm going to have to sell. Okay. Yeah, I don't. This is uh, <laughs> this is something. But uh, <laughs> call me crazy. I'm gonna say no because a no one's ever done that before, and b uh, Puka Nakua, he's breaking records right now. Maybe he will be the guy to get 2,000 yards. Uh, but I don't think that he's gonna get there like Caleb said with Cooper Cup coming back. Um, and I think people, you know, people haven't had time to to get better and prepare for Puka as much as the other veterans. I'm not saying that he's, you know, he's. Not, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying he has the benefit of that and he's able to perform with this ginormous target share that sure, he has right now. Sure. Uh, he's taking all the attention on offense and certainly when Cooper Cup comes back, that'll go away. Not completely, but he'll be the number two target or right up there uh, with P- Cooper Cup returning. So I think 2,000 yards is, is definitely not happening in my mind. But I think you can definitely, with the start that he has now, can be a 1,000-yard receiver, no doubt. Sure, and let's not forget, like, it's great that he's on track, but like we've said about people's careers, he's on track to be a Hall of Fame, he's a Hall of Fame career. It takes a long time. And, and yeah, if anybody can, Matty Stats can, and we know Cooper Cup because he had a season in 21 where he was, what, he was um, 53 yards short of 2,000. Yeah. He needed the postseason to get him over 2,000. Technically, he had a 2,000-yard season with the postseason in 21. So we know this team coach, quarterback, is capable of it. But I'm with you guys. Like, hey, Puka, we call him Pikachu around here. He's doing great. He just pops up, Pika, and he's scoring touchdown now. Um, but I don't, you know, good luck to the guy. I just think, like, for everything y'all said, I'm, I'm selling. Okay, last one. Unless he produces more wins, the Patriots will soon move away from Mac Jones. I will buy. I think that Mac's good. I think he's he was a system guy in college. He has a great arm. He's smart. Everything you want. Heisman candidate. Great player. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he should have went to the 49ers. But um, <laughs> yeah. I think because he's Brock Purdy plus, in my opinion. Yeah, but yeah. for this system, 
he's he's not Tom Brady, and that's yeah. what, this is Tom Brady's system still. It's Bill Belichick. I've never seen Bill as mad as he has been in the last three weeks, sure. getting mad, throwing his hat down, throwing his headset, breaking tablets, stuff that Bill Belichick never stuff does. That Tom Brady does. Um, he benched him because they're getting blown out by Dallas this week. Bailey Zappi came in. Um, we saw Bailey Zappi come in and fill in last year when uh, Mac had the ankle injury, and he played just as good, if not better, in the three games he started. So I think they're not tied to Mac Jones. I think they like him because of the draft capital where they got him. But I think if he starts screwing up like this, having three two turnovers in one game, and you know how Bill Belichick feels about fumbles. Usually if you're not the quarterback and you fumble, you're getting benched for the rest of the game. So I think that they, they'd have no problem moving on if he continues this. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're going to be bad enough where they could consider going for another quarterback, maybe someone that isn't as much as a immobile guy. Um, I think they might move forward. You saw they had Cunningham this offseason. They tried to make a move for additional backups like Matt Corral. Uh, maybe they go for someone else next year, but I think uh, they will be moving on from Mac Jones at some point. Uh, I know they don't have a, a number one wide receiver, but no one is playing uh, up to that, and they have no efficiency in the run game either. Ramondre Stevenson's averaging 2.7 on the ground right now. Shoo. They've lost their identity. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady's not here. I know everyone knows that, but the offense has quite literally not even been close other than that one first year for Mac Jones. Uh, they just haven't looked good for two years, and I think there's no more excuses for that. Uh, there's no more excuse to lean back on for Matt Patricia and uh, this other crew of guys running this offense they do have an offensive coordinator now they're getting the tight ends more involved and now you have to point at mac jones and i think that they finally are bill belichick just had his worst loss in terms of point differential in his career uh, with the patriots so i think things are getting up there for him as you said he was very angry in this game and i think that's very much so going to lean on to mac jones going forward as it really hasn't the last year or so yeah yeah i um Gosh, I'm, I'm torn because I don't know, like, you know me, my philosophy about quarterbacks in any other position is if, unless there's somebody better out there, you don't really move on, you know. But at the same time, I don't I don't know that I blame Mac Jones for any of their woes, to be to be frank. Like you said, he's a smart guy. He's, he's got a pro arm, pro body. He can take a hit. He can get out of the pocket if he needs to. He reads defenses. He's a smart guy. Like, there's nothing, there's no box not checked with this guy. Other than they're not winning, and he it's cried like not a, a baby when he rolled his ankle. Yeah, hey, that kind of hurts. <laughs> no, I've I've cried like a baby when I've rolled mine too. I think it's more scary than pain. But. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, because I, I hate it because he's kind of an all shucks guy. You know, just one of those nice guys. <laughs> there it is what you say that all the time. I do. He said about Eli Manning his whole life. Eli would like look like he literally said all shucks when he walked off the field. But he's just an. How do I requalify that? He's a very unassuming average human being. He doesn't look like a pro athlete. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't look like a specimen. But yet here he is playing at the highest level. I have no knocks against him. I don't think you should move away from him. Will they? They might. So I'm I'm indifferent here. But you got nobody better. The kid's got all the check boxes. I don't know. I think this that's is, why I do this, this and I'm not a scout. Semi. Off the whim. What is off the whim, but semi-conspiratorial. I think that Justin Fields is moved this year, and I think the Patriots would be perfect. Really? Mm-hmm. That is a super hot take. No. I think the Falcons or the Patriots move for Justin Fields. Falcons, I can see. Either they- one. Just, uh, Bill Belichick's been mouth-watering for a mobile quarterback <laughs> since Cam Newton was He's drafted. always wanted a zippy quarterback. Since you know? Cam Newton was drafted, he's talked about every single mm-hmm. year. And we need a more mobile guy. We need this. We need that. How do you say that when you got Tom Brady, though? You know? Well, you I mean you have no excuse to move off Tom Brady other than when he wants yeah. to leave. Yeah, no, I get it. And I then, think as Caleb said, they immediately get Cam Newton. If Bill's retiring in the next three or four years, he's got nothing to lose. Hey, do you know how far down the dumpster fire that team will will be when he leaves? Like, yes, what's going to happen? He's going to make one more push, 
and it's going to be big. That's just my opinion. As long as they don't just He's bring pushing. Josh McDaniels into the Patriots, it's all right with me. I, that dude should be coaching the Canadian League. He's that awful. dude when they <laughs> expose the fraud that he is in Vegas. If you uh, thought that Vegas. Brady without Belichick would be bad, and you thought Belichick is bad without Brady, look at Josh McDaniels without both of them. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I, uh, all right, anyway. I scratch my head. Enough yeah, of that. Let's let's get some clarity here. Josh McDaniels with an S, right? With an S, sure. Nasty crap. Not a good coach. Let's just call it like it is. I don't know how he's got a job. Mike McDaniel, Miami. No S. Brilliant. Yes. Because I was just listening to uh, Shanahan saying that that like him and um, uh, why am I dropping names? Coach and and with the Rams, um, McVay? Sean McVay. Him and McVay and other coaches are stealing plays from Mike. Like he was talking, joking about it. Like we were taking plays from this guy. Like he's he's just a great mind. So, the tale of two cities, I guess. All right, let's move to a segment called Educated Guests. This is where we give you some fantasy waiver wire players that are not necessarily on the tip of your tongue, but guys that maybe, just maybe, you can guess might have a good week for week five. What do you got for us, Caleb? This one kind of has an asterisk on it. It's a Terrace Marshall from Carolina. He had 10 targets this week, nine catches, which is great for PPR. The asterisk is if, jo- if Jonathan Mingo is out, and also if you're in PPR formats, he gets a lot of targets. Especially when Ming goes out, he had 10 targets, 56 yards. Great for that format. Second is Darnell Mooney, and I know you're scratching your head. The Bears have been awful, but he started two games this year, both games over 50 yards, and he scored in his first game of the year, and he missed some time with an injury. But Darnell Mooney, if you're desperate for a flex play, especially with these bye weeks rolling in now, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a little skimpy. You could throw him in and flex, maybe say a prayer before, but he's better than most options on the waiver wire. And last, number three, it's kind of he's been kind of a secret, but if you watch college football, you know. A secret, huh? Yeah, he's on the Ravens. Josh knows what I'm talking about already. He's a rookie. He's on the IR. He's coming off this week or next week. His name's Keaton Mitchell. Okay. He's a rookie from East Carolina University. He was undrafted. In East Carolina, he averaged 6.5 yards a carry, 3,000 yards in three years as a starter, 25 touchdowns. He's 5'8", 188. He's very fast, very quick, great running back. As you know, as everyone knows who watches football the past three years, the Ravens running back room has been a revolving door of injuries and free agents. He, I think he could be the guy that steps up. As, as this recording, he's 1% owned in Yahoo. I think he could be the guy to, that could potentially, if he gets the job, win the league for you. He's that guy. I think he he can handle volume. He's he's great. So Keaton Mitchell, if he's on your wire, I'm sure he is if you're in less than a 12-man format. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on your wire. Pick him up. Slide him in your IR spot. Wait for him to get healthy. He's going to take the job from Melvin Gordon. He's going to take the job from Gus Edwards. I think he's going to be great. All right. Thanks, as always, Caleb. Last segment, let's talk about week five and and people that we need to start or sit. As I'm looking down my list, tell me, guys, because you know I'm a big – I'm going to start calling him Andrews, Mark Andrews guy. You know, I try to get him in all my leagues. Uh, Do I start him against Pittsburgh? Is he a safe bet? Well, if you want to cry, (laughs) um, (laughs) tight ends have been terrible this year. True. And uh, obviously he's included in that other than last week. So is Fryermuth. He's been the, killing me. Yeah, Fryermuth is also not playing in this game. I think he's out for the next few games. But Mark Andrews uh, and the tight ends. Jonu Smith, I said, make you cry. He has the best game for a tight end this season with 95 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. I know Travis Kelsey hasn't played. But uh, hopefully Mark Andrews can break that mm-hmm. and be the number <laughs> one this year. Oh. Uh, not this year, but 
break the 95 yards and, and actually play like okay. the number one tight end in the league. So there's some guys that come to mind as you look at the matchups before we wrap up that we should be starting or sitting. Is it a good idea to start a guy like Dak Prescott against the 49ers because it may be a shootout? Or is it a bad idea? Because he's this is what kills me about like this matchup in this modern era because we saw it in the 90s big time, 49ers-Cowboys. But they both have amazing defenses, but yet they both scored a lot of points on each other. So do you start a Dak Prescott in a game like this or do you set him? I think it's kind of what you said. I think a lot of the points are going to be scored from the defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. you got Brock Purdy. He's been playing perfect for the last 14, 13, 14 games, whatever right. the stat was. Um, I think he might be dropped back down to earth in this game. Really? I think that, yeah, there'll be a lot of pressure in this game. Let me say for the record, you are the cautiously apprehensive Cowboys fan. You're the one that if no one... I never said Dallas going to win. I, I hear that, but I'm hearing you say we're going to rattle Dallas being we. Uh, Brock Purdy a little bit. I've never heard you really have that well, I don't speak French, so I don't use the word we. But um, yeah, the 49ers, I think it'll be a close game. Brock Purdy will make some mistakes this game, finally. I think he has a turnover okay. or two. Dallas' defense, Deron Bland, I believe he's had eight picks in 12 games. He's a great corner filling in for Trayvon. He started on the opposite side last year, but he's been great for Dallas. I think that the pressure that Dallas's front seven gives to the 49ers, finally Brock Purdy's a little rattled, but I think it'll be a close game, and I think the 49ers still end up winning with Dak yeah. Prescott as well making mistakes from that defense. So you're saying the defense will cause these quarterbacks to make mistakes? It'll be a messy game, I think, but it'll be close. Okay. It'll be high-scoring, defensive-scoring, crazy game. Crazy. Crazy. We saw, obviously, they played against the Niners last year in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, Dak Prescott had 200 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. We do know that he had injuries on offense. Uh, he also had a broken leg, Tony Pollard, so the run game wasn't really existent. You saw the silly play at the end of the game where Zeke mm-hmm. was playing center with no other existing offensive Cowboys lineman. Play. Silly offense uh, and injuries on the ball or on the offensive side of the ball for the Cowboys. Uh, and he, he didn't play exceptionally well, but he did put up okay amount of yards, and he did have a decent first half. But with Tony Pollard out, the offense wasn't exactly the same for them, and I think that, that changes this year. I think uh, you will see an explosive offense for them against the Niners. I think they will be able to keep up this time uh, this year under Mike McCarthy and Schottenheimer's offense. What do you think for uh, Damian Pierce? I mean, he's been playing great. I think he's the, hit or miss. Sometimes. This Falcons is, is is a great matchup for him. It's okay. a great way to uh, continue the streak he's had. I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from starting Damian Pierce this week, but someone I would start is Michael Wilson for Arizona. You've seen every week his snap count go up 10%. He had more and more targets every week. He looks like to be their X receiver. He's a rookie. He's been playing amazing. And the Bengals have been playing very sorry, as you saw. These Tennessee Titans kick up on him last week. So Michael Wilson, rookie receiver out of the Cardinals. I think he's going to be amazing. Last week I told you to start Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had four yards. So Quarterback went. Uh, yeah. yeah, understandably. Like AC joint sprain for yeah. Derek Carr. You're not supposed to be able to throw a football, no. so I don't know what they gave the man for him to be able to do that, <laughs> but it wasn't pretty. I do think this week, though, it will be much better. I think you look at the defensive side of the ball for the Saints. We talked about Mac Jones and mm-hmm. not having great receiving core and not having consistency through the air. Well, the uh, New Orleans Saints have five interceptions this year. That's top five. Um, and then, obviously, Chris Olave, who's playing against. He would traditionally be playing against Christian Gonzalez, the rookie who's had a great rookie year. He's going to be out. Uh, Jonathan Jones on the other side of the ball, he's also out. So the top two corners for the Patriots are out in this game. Matt Judon, their best pass rusher, very consistent. He is likely out for this game as well. So you have uh, three of the top defensive players for the Patriots out in this game, and I think you will get a chance for Chris Olave, who was averaging 100 yards a game outside of last week uh, through the first three games. I think he does bounce back and has a great game once again. 
All right, final thought, guys. Anybody, I'm looking at Anthony Richardson playing against uh, the Tennessee Titans. If you're a fantasy owner, I say fire him up. I, mean, I, th- I think that's a great start. You saw last week against the Rams, he played very well, four total touchdowns, no mistakes. But Tennessee, their front sevens, is it crazy to say better than the Rams? I mean, the Rams, yeah. The Tennessee Titans crazy. are putting a ton of pressure on people sure. with all the free agents they have. I think Anthony's going to have to scramble a lot more. You're going to see a lot more rushing attempts out of him. A lot of off-the-cuff downfield throws. Sure. And that's more fantasy points. Yeah. Yeah, and I th- I think uh, you can also start Brees Hall against the Denver Broncos. Uh, maybe you've been disappointed with him the last few games. You've been starting him after his week one. You probably on the bench week one. I had him for the sucky games after that. But he gets to play against the Denver Broncos. <laughs> we saw explosive offensive playmaking yeah. across the board for the Bears. As you said, the sorry, sad Bears. Well, they looked like a very happy Bears team against this Broncos defense. And uh, I think Brees Hall is going to easily get it done here. I don't think Zach Wilson's going to have to be heavily relied on in this matchup uh, because of how efficient Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook will be. Yeah, remember we started this podcast years ago, it was the lowly lions, and now the bears are the dumpster fire. Hey, before I get a text, and I'm happy to, to get the text every week, but because uh, my, my guy Nate's going to hit me up. Are we starting Josh Allen, or are we starting Tua Tagovailoa? Let's see if we can get it wrong big time again like we did. Uh, <laughs> I think you start Tua this week. Yeah. Okay. The Giants, you just watched them. Three point You teams. just watched them. That's yeah. all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Jacksonville's defense has been having a lot yeah. of takeaways this year. So far, every time we say this, Josh Allen has a career game. So yeah, but uh, <laughs> we're one and we're well, no, one. Well, no, it was two of the first time, and then it was yeah. But Josh Allen has to fly to London. They've yeah, been yeah, yeah. The Jaguars been there for two weeks almost now. So this is a second London game. Yeah, Jacksonville has to play there for two weeks. Yes, mm-hmm. they played in what they played in Tottenham or whatever it's called. Yeah, that uh, yeah. the owner of the Jaguars owns. They played in uh, <clears throat> what was it? The other big stadium. We do not the need a team in London. Wembley. Yeah, regardless. Um, yeah, <laughs> regardless. Cater Kohu does not play for the Jaguars. Who what? Cater Kohu. The guy that allowed yeah, yeah, Diggs to have three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, the guy that got caught on and then wanted to tackle Diggs and then couldn't, yes. and then Diggs <laughs> spun around three times and he just got open. Yeah, something ridiculous. <laughs> it's not happening against uh, Tyson Campbell no. uh, for Stefan Diggs, unfortunately. They have a much better secondary on the Jaguars. Obviously, there's injuries for the Dolphins last week, but... To answer your question, I do think that Tua will have a much better day against this secondary of the Giants. Their offense has been terrible. I'm talking about the Giants. And their secondary, they have younger guys like Deontay Banks and others leading that. They have very few linebackers. We know Tua is very good at passing in the inside of the field, the interior. Short passes, getting the ball out of his hands very quickly. You'll see Jalen Waddle have a very good game, more than likely. Uh, I just think that the Giants, there's no comparison here. The Jaguars definitely have a better defense than the Giants. And as Caleb said, the Bills are away from home and the other side of the world, so should be a much harder game for Josh Allen than that against the Dolphins' defense. Yeah, agreed. And Jacksonville's probably in a rhythm at this point. Like they've already adjusted yeah. their bodies, they've already played. They're probably out checking out Big Ben, you know, doing the old historical walk there in, in London and just taking it all in, enjoying their time, mm-hmm. waiting for Buffalo to arrive with sleep lag. <laughs> so more than likely, yeah. I don't wait. They got there today. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure you guys tune in. Lots and lots. Remember, there's bye weeks, so if your favorite team uh, is not playing, you know why. And make sure and check for because this is a week that it affects your fantasy roster more than ever as bye weeks begin in week five. So that is it for us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please tell a friend and help us spread the word. 
We've set up our online shop at guyswithouthelmets.com where you can get your own Guys Without Helmet gear. We also post a weekly video on YouTube, so please stop by and give us a like and subscribe to our channel. Finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets.